genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King one minute at a time. I don't have a snappy intro joke. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. Uh, And joining us for the first time, uh, but also the last time because we're almost done, uh, (laughs) are Joey Rose Ryson and uh, Caitlin Lucan from the Shadow Facts podcast. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. We're excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited to have you all. Um, So today we're talking about Minute 231, which starts with the resolution of that Sam and Rosie kiss from last week and ends with Frodo uh, monologuing. Um, And he says that have taken hold as far as wounds go. Yes. Um. So where did we want to begin? Uh, I mean, this minute goes from yay, happy to oh, that's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I mean, we we to be fair, we start deep in our feelings in one way and end deep in our feelings in a very different way. Yes. Yeah. 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 Very... Well, and I mean, when you have that moment where, like, you know, Sam and Rosie have kissed, and then they're like smiling and looking at the people and then you see the four or i mean the other three you know fellowship hobbits like smiling and laughing and clapping and then frodo's face just like gradually changes that's that's this minute right frodo's face right there is like the whole progression progression of the minute (laughs) that's uh that's frodo's entire character arc from minute one to minute 760 how dare you I mean, it is. You come onto our podcast. <laughs> right? Starts okay, out happy, to... reading a book under a tree, yeah. and sad, yeah, leaving his friends behind Gandalf. to get on a boat. Oh, God. I have to ask, is this a Sam and Frodo are in love household? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part. Like, it doesn't doesn't bother me. I think that it's it's both important to accept it as, like, a representation of, like, queer love, but also... It's it's also just good for men to have good relationships to model as friends between oh, yeah. them and stuff. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. So like, both are good to me. But the subtext is there. Frodo, there is subtext. Okay, okay, there. okay. Frodo yeah. is wearing it's white just... at Sam's wedding. Yes, that's yeah. true. He is. Uh, I am. I am, <laughs> yeah. however, one hundred percent thoroughly a Gimli and Legolas. Oh Gimli yes, and Legolas for man. sure. Oh for yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I mean. Uh well, I like you talked to Molly Knox Ostertag and we did as well on our podcast. Um mm-hmm. and a lot of that was about Frodo and Sam's um deep and beautiful romance. So mm-hmm. Yeah. We we've talked a lot about how Tolkien is actually kind of an excellent romance writer when he does not intend to be. He has so much yeah. he cares so much about very quiet interpersonal moments. Yeah. That he he doesn't describe hardly anything except for quiet trees. personal moments and trees. Like that's it. That's all <laughs> Tolkien describes. So he could have yeah, he could have written Victorian handled- romance if he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, living in the forest all the way down, baby. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, we we go from this wedding. I love that uh, the Pippin is the one who catches the bouquet, mm-hmm. uh, in part because he's the yeah. youngest of the four. <laughs> 
And then this Hobbit yeah, lady is just like, oh, how about that? <laughs> we get a cameo from Peter Jackson's kids. I think, oh, are those, is that, I was, I kept asking, I was like, who are those children? Yeah, I figured some of them might be Peter Jackson's kids. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Okay. That's kind of a fun continuation of like PJ, you know, always has to have a cameo that it extends to the kids as well. well yeah, they're in every movie too. kids are like in fellowship too, like in the first Shire bit, I think. Yeah. How have you yeah. mentioned this to me? Because I thought you knew. <laughs> they're in the... Generally, I, I usually am the like trivia guy, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> they're in the fireworks scene. Uh, no, when oh, when Bilbo's sure. Bilbo's talking about the trolls. Yeah. Um, and then they're in mm, Helm's mm-hmm. Deep. Yep, they're in the caves. And then they're they're mm. in twi- they're in this movie twice. That's a grim. That's a grim area to include your kids. In yeah. Where are they in the first time in this movie? Uh, aren't they in uh, Minas Tirith in the like parade? Oh yeah, they are. They're on the sideline of the parade. The, the yeah, they're in this parade movie twice. To ever parade. Yeah, the saddest parade <laughs> in the world. <laughs> really, Pe- like Peach found the saddest seeds to include his kids. Yeah. Yeah, they're also um, right at the very beginning when the fireworks come off the back of Gandalf's cart. They're in Fellowship twice too. Right in, yeah. right at the beginning of the movie. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been yeah. like an age. They're probably yes. in two towers twice. Just haven't noticed. Speaking of being the trivia guy, I like. I'm so sorry. This is an unavoidable trope with Lord of the Rings, but like, did you know this behind the scenes story about the Sam and Rosie kiss? Oh, the Sean Astin was having a very hard time filming that scene. Yes, with um with Billy, Billy Boyd and, and Viggo Mortensen <laughs> kissing to give oh, him yeah. uh, motivation. Just, you know, just guys being dudes. Just, Billy Boyd just <laughs> Billy Boyd makes me laugh constantly throughout the cast commentary. Mm-hmm. He, him, him, and Dominic Monaghan are so funny, but just like. Billy Boyd, the just slowly saying, and then Vigo grabbed me and kissed me hard on the lips, open, <laughs> open mouth, <laughs> just like ha- just makes me die laughing. It's so funny. Every anecdote that I hear about Vigo Mortensen on the set and just as a human at large in the world, like he sounds like the strangest like forest chaos creature. Like he's just he's just but lovely. Like guy. he's like a really yeah, lovely. he's like a yeah. weird cryptid. He's just a Norwegian yes. fae. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a Norwegian forest spirit. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. I like their yeah. um, outfits for mm. Sam's wedding. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. We were especially admiring Pippin. You know, they all have kind of fancy little waistcoats on, as hobbits are wont to do. But Pippin mm-hmm. is also wearing, like, a fancy scarf. Yes. Did Joey notice something about the pattern on the scarf? Yeah, the, the pattern. I don't know that this is actually what it is, but it kind of looks like little, like, peas in pods on the yeah. That scarf. is adorable. It might be flowers, but I like yeah. the, the pea pods, too. Because... Yeah. I mean, that sounds yeah. very hobbity to me. They yeah. love vegetables. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I want a vegetable embroidered scarf. That seems right. good. All hobbits share a love of things that grow. I really like like uh, how color-coordinated Pippin and Mary are, because Mary's got a scarf too, but he's wearing it more like an ascot under his collar. Yeah. And his mm-hmm. matches his little yeah, fancy burgundy waistcoat. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm like obsessed with the embroidery mm-hmm. on Pippin's though. <laughs> you know what's interesting about this scene? It's really good. What? Where's the gaffer? Oh my god, yeah, where's oh. Sam's dad? Where is Gaffer? Is he I mean, still alive? <laughs> he should oh, be. Oh. oh. He should be. I mean, hobbits yeah. live to be like 110. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 
Bilbo is the like exception. Himself an ale in the background or something. It's fine. That's funny. My real question is like, where is Bill? Like, I have walked a horse down the aisle because the horse was in the bridal party of a wedding I was in, and I feel like that should happen here with Bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably in the next scene, which we don't see because instead we follow Frodo having angst, but um, probably Sam and Rosie, you know, climb into like a little cart that Bill is pulling that says, oh, like, God. just married on it, you know. Do- do hobbits get married with rings? Like, how many inseparable, like, ring bearer and, like, ring-related jokes are there about this <laughs> amongst, like, the four hobbits? Oh, man. Every and time Mary asked Frodo to be his ring bearer. Oh, in- my God. <laughs> he would never. He would yeah, never. The worst, the worst part is during the ceremony when, like, Frodo is supposed to be the ring bearer and Sam grabs him and says, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you! And, like, the bear carries him down the, down the aisle. <laughs> I have to go write this fan fiction. I will be back. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, we'll pause for, like, a day. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I have literally never thought about that before, and that is hilarious to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's so mean. Oh, wow. But it's also so, so cathartic to imagine, like, because we see so little of of their lives together back in, like, you know, in this window where, like, life, at least nominally, has returned to normal. And mm-hmm. we see we see so little of it. And I love the idea that, like, they get to just, on some level, like, be normal friends again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but none of that is for us. We just go right back <laughs> to the sads. Yeah, because uh, this, uh, this movie is already so long. Yeah, it is. Just let me rest. The um the only other notes I have about uh, the wedding, really, is that this was originally planned to be shot outdoors on location, like, as an outside thing. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, they mm-hmm. just wound up doing it in the studio. But the picture... The, it uh, looks the, really good. The backgrounds are incredibly high-resolution digital photographs of the outdoor location they were going to film it That's in. That's so weird. Oh, interesting. Okay. Huh. Which is just, huh? But why did you? I just, I'm confused. Yeah, was this just These bad movies weather? Are fascinating because they feel like it's like a bottomless pit of human effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like every everywhere you look, there's you know something that could have been done. And I, this is this is neutral. You know, I don't think this is a bad thing or a good thing. But there's so many things that could have been done easier instead they they did these very like complicated and involved things and i think sometimes it really does improve the quality and sometimes you know yes like you guys could have just filmed outside i i don't yeah they don't say why i couldn't i couldn't find out why they didn't film outside i think it's cheaper to to film in a studio overall it depends on where you're filming probably that's true I i don't know and then we we cut from Frodo's kind of sad face to this monologued portion while Frodo is kind of wandering around in Bag End with all these uh, very intentionally muted colors. Mm. They decided they didn't want anything bright. If we can go back. Oh yeah, go for it. Which is that I think I was racking my mind to try and think of a a counter example, but Pippin interacting with this Hobbit lady who 
you know, they're kind of, like, making eyes at each other after he catches the bouquet. Is that the first time Pippin talks to a woman in the, in the movie? At, like, in the movies at large? Like, ever? Ever. Yeah? Yes? Yeah, because I don't... Because <laughs> he doesn't... He doesn't he's really not dancing during the party when, scene, like... I don't think. Mary is dancing yeah, around during the party scene. Pippin's in the band, briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was was thinking to myself, I was like, something feels weird about this interaction between Pippin and this Hobbit woman for reasons I can't quite put my finger on. Uh And part of it, you know, we kind of talked about, like, um, it's kind of an interesting moment. Like, I don't love the, like, bridal toss and, like, women get angry about who catches the bouquet as kind of a moment for comedy and media. That's just not very appealing to me. But I realized it's actually like, oh, we haven't seen Pippin talk to a woman before. Yeah. It also, I, it's very it, much played for laughs that Pippin just very casually catches it. Yeah. This, oh, okay. He's yeah. got warrior reflexes now. <laughs> oh he God. killed one orc. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like that Um, being the comedy of it to me, I like. Otherwise, it, the, the, like, him and the lady making eyes at each other feels a little, like, forced to me and... And I don't, you know, it's not a big deal. It's just, I'm the Peter Jackson yeah. complainer, typically. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it's probably colored by uh, Billy Boyd in the commentary, but this doesn't, this doesn't play as strange to me because Billy Boyd is often just very flirtatious, flirtatious and complimentary know, but about like, Pippin is everyone not, in Pip- these movies. But like Pippin is so not, yeah. Pippin's like a baby. I know. He's my, look, yeah, look yeah. at, look at so my like boy. <laughs> Yeah, the moment, it's weird, because, like, the moment before it seems very, very, like, on-brand characterization for Pippin, which is that he catches it and kind of, like, does the, like, shrug and, like, look around, like, I bumbled into a situation, like, not of my Mm -hmm. own accord. And that feels very, like, ah, yes, that is, that is the essence of Pippin. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we can, we can go back to the sads. I just had to point out the opposite of the Bechdel test here. Does Pippin talk to Galadriel? I'm like still thinking about. No, this. I don't think so. I'm like, okay, how many women are in this movie? No, like and five. He no, so- <laughs> he doesn't. He, does he? he and Arwen are briefly around each other. Yeah. Does he respond? Neither Mary nor Pippin respond to Galadriel during the gift given scene. Right. They're, they're just kind of passed over. Like here are these knives. Yeah. Here are these. Cloaks. Here are these knives, small ones. Yeah. There's no. What do you have? A knife. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just there there's actually I think there are like two women in that tavern. I think there's a couple around the edge. I'm always distracted by Ferret Man. Yeah, the dude with the ferret just yeah. chilling. He's the coolest guy. I oh, mean yeah. Strider's yeah, in that yeah. bar. Yeah. He's the coolest guy. Right. Yeah, just this is a guy with a ferret and a cat. The ferret is clearly supposed to be like, whoa, weird crowd here. Like, can you believe these like sketchy people? And <laughs> it's like the cutest ferret. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just it's yeah. happy to be there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, presumably he's like bought a pint from Rosie before, but yeah, I yeah. I feel like other... in the beginning of Fellowship, maybe there's a moment like at the pub, yeah, where like Mary and Pippin are both there, and maybe there are women around. But I mean, Pippin is basically <laughs> like eighteen, so yeah. Yeah, it's like who who let this child into this name, bar? <laughs> name any woman for for a hundred <laughs> points. Name one. 
Uh, let's. There are only four it's named like, women uh, in this. Me trilogy. mother. <laughs> me man. There's only four named women in this movie trilogy. That's so sad. Not counting Shelob. Shelob would make five. Yeah. God. I mean, to be fair, then the ratio of like characters, like. There's a lot of dudes and a lot of them are like, meh, or like, I don't really have an opinion. I am solid, like, 100% ride or die for those four out of four. So that's like a good, that's a good ratio, but mm-hmm. I could use a few more. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. For sure. So yeah, let's, let's get to the sads. Okay. Just Frodo yeah. being sad. Uh, yeah. I like this little monologue. I think it sums up uh, a ton of Frodo's character just really succinctly in about 20 seconds. Tells us everything mm-hmm. we need to know about Frodo leading into the actual ending of this movie. The, the ending for real reels of this movie. Not <laughs> not fade to black. Oh, hey, no, we're good. Right. Uh, yeah, one of, one of many false cadenzas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just, um, I guess in the in the commentary, Peter Jackson and Elijah Wood both on the, the different commentaries mentioned that they had recorded way more voiceover for the end of this movie for Frodo than they wound up using. Like mm. tons more. Uh, but they wound up not using very much of it, really cutting it back because they felt that it it took away from these next couple of minutes. Yeah, I agree with that. And they really yeah, just kind of wanted to let things soak in. Mm-hmm. But we have it, this it like kind of longer bit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's enough. There's enough like meat on the bone there for you to really get it and get him. And it kind of like ties in nicely to like he's writing in the book without distancing you in the way that voiceovers can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a sucker for a voiceover. I love like film noir stuff. But that's not the, like the vibe. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it's not the vibe at all. No. But, uh, but I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good voiceover. Yeah. And there, and there are, there are many in here. Like I'm thinking about like Galadriel's voiceover that like opens fellowship. Love that mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. Anymore. Can we see shit on this podcast? <laughs> yes. You yeah, can. that's fine. Yeah. Just, just avoid the episode. No, yeah. No efforts. <laughs> Okay. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, love that. Eat it with a spoon. Um, but I feel like, especially, especially like voiceovers, feel unintimate to me. Like, it kind of works with these characters who, like, we like we don't inhabit Galadriel. Like, we we don't know her in that way. We can't see her like thoughts and feelings. They are opaque to us in a way that Frodo's are not. And so I wouldn't want voiceover from a character that we that we know that well. I don't know if that makes sense, but I guess that's my my feelings on voiceovers. Yeah. I mean, I think it it's kind of walking that line because Frodo's at this place where like he feels like he's entirely separate from the thing that like the the place he's inhabiting. Yeah. So in that yeah. way, it, I think it is thematic. Right. Yeah, then it, it's like a in a oh, meta yeah. way. Yeah. 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 You also can take it as what he's saying aloud here might be the last few things he's writing in his part of the book. Right, right. I don't know that that like it is I mean he's he is sort of detaching in these various ways and um and like having a hard time. I mean he looks so disassociated in a lot of, you know, these few minutes. Yeah. Um like like he's in it for a moment at the wedding and then kind of like, you know, withdraws back into himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, the, the voiceover feels fitting with that. And, and I love, I mean, the actual like text he's saying some of it, I think we read in um, 
the Homeward Bound chapter. Some of it is pulled directly from, I think, a conversation he has with Gandalf yeah. about, um, uh, like, I don't know, some wounds never heal completely or whatever. There are a yeah. couple lines in there. Um, and I don't know. I think it's good. Yeah, we've talked a lot on our podcast. A thing we really like about Frodo's arc is that um, it accepts that the effects of of trauma are are lingering and that healing is long and complicated and nonlinear and like doesn't always mean a, a return to where you started. Like I think right. in a lot of fantasies, yeah. you know, there are like material effects in the world of like what people have been through, but it's so um, I don't know, it's so like clear with Frodo. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> I, I've said this a lot about other things about Tolkien, but I think it's something that he he almost kind of fell backwards into, not because that kind of message was something he intended, but because he was writing Frodo from a place of real experience, having dealt with the trauma of World War One. Mm-hmm. But I don't right. know if Which he really intended for that to come across in Frodo as uh, as nuanced and applicable to the modern world as it as it is. Right, because it's not allegory. Yeah. Right. It's not allegory. Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no allegory. He, allegory in in this economy, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. But like, it's I I know, like, it's it's funny, you know how how adamant he was about it not being allegory. But like, it's I mean, it's true. There's all kinds of fiction that's not allegory, and it holds truth and resonance and and all of these parallels to real life, right? And right, that's, yeah, that's part of what fiction is without anything like being an allegory of like a specific thing Mm -hmm. um yeah i also think tolkien's intent like it's interesting that you talk about you know like coming to it backwards because i think he very much comes from a time where like i i don't know that much about history so i I could be like totally wrong here (laughs) but but they did not they did not have the same uh like words and way to describe and think about trauma that we do now but it was very much like a, a, a large-scale like reckoning with trauma and so it's mm-hmm. interesting like whether or not he intends it he is talking about that and part of that is a product of like coming from a time that like does not have the same words to talk about trauma that we have yeah 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 i mean the the study of psychology like and the study of of trauma in specific is just very new in yeah. this scope well, of like less than 100 history. years like uh, like a hundred so ish years, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's just all this stuff that Tolkien didn't realize was going to resonate with people for so so long. I mean, I I feel that like when I'm like writing something, I'll write something and I'll be like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Where did that come from? And it's just like it's this thing you've been repressing for the past twenty years, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> it's just, well, that's fun. It's just like, something you feel, yeah. <laughs> Must have come from nowhere. I, I I hope this doesn't awaken anything inside me. Right, exactly. Right? Just going to push that down. Right? Am I ready to deal with this yet? Nah, it's cool. I'm just going to separate it from myself and put it in a work of fiction. Yeah, never just, deal with it again. I'll just subject can I, can my characters to it. A, a little, a nice little like life hack about that? Mm-hmm. Just don't write. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Success. She says the week before Nano, you know? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> oh God, yeah. Um, see, I just process things with music and then I'm getting feelings out, but I don't ever have to put them into words to think mm. about them more clearly. 
That's oh fair. god, it's the it's the Arthur meme of like I can't read. This sign doesn't apply to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I'm actually a very wordsy person. I just don't. I'm not, you know, a writer, um, in that sense. But yeah, I want to talk about how empty Bag End is. It feels so oh, yeah. empty. It's, it's so sparse. depressing. He's just packed up all yeah, this yeah. stuff. I think that reminds him of Bilbo. Yeah. Because there used to be, uh, were there stuff on the walls before or no? There definitely was. There was stuff yeah. everywhere in Bag End. Bag End was very much a place where like every flat surface was occupied by more than one level of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. T- like piles of books on the floor. There's lots of like weird uh, weaponry and paintings and stuff on the walls. Like it's very visually crammed. And so it's so... Yeah. Um, striking the first time that we see back in that it is that empty mm-hmm. i think that this too um one all the colors are muted because they wanted the space to reflect frodo's current headspace that makes sense so mm-hmm. all the all the colors are muted um when we finally do see frodo he's made up uh to look a little paler than typical mm-hmm. in this scene as mm-hmm. well um yeah, he's very he's very we described him as almost waxy looking because he's yeah he's, shiny and and pale and looks very worn Mm -hmm. yeah that's just frodo uh (laughs) so they they kind of modeled back end at this very last bit here to kind of reflect on him and i think that that's also a visual clue to the audience that maybe isn't familiar with the story that frodo isn't intending to stick around it's a subtext thing back end is empty because frodo's going to leave it Mm. yeah 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 absolutely so I think that's the first like visual hint that that's going to happen in the movie is that Bag End is sparse. Is is like Bilbo mm-hmm. era Bag End the like original cottagecore aesthetic? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that now. <laughs> just Yeah, I mean, I think if you think about like the age of a lot of like millennials who are really into cottagecore and like how old they would have been when these films came out, I think yeah. it fits. I, I don't want to get like too deep of the like various core aesthetics, but I would right. actually argue that Bag End leans towards goblin core because of the amount of like weird things that he has from his travels. That's like, fair. There's also like a like a crusty sword on the wall. <laughs> See that would be yeah. why I long to live in Bag End because I am a little horning yeah. goblin man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, me too. Look, I have a shelf of my bookshelf that's just covered in like rocks and leaves and yeah, other Joey, little Joey things I've found. Yeah, Joey and I both have found. rock shelves in our house, and I think <laughs> yeah. in our various houses, and that it says a lot about who we are as people. Yeah, yeah, same. So- <laughs> oh, I've run <laughs> out of space on this shelf. Forever. Time to pile stuff on top. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there are some great rugs in Bag End. Oh my yes. god. And you know they're all handmade. All the text, every textile, this is the thing I'm talking about, about like the human pit of effort. Like every textile in this movie, the texture is so good. Like I want to touch every piece. Well, I don't want, not every, never mind. Many of the fabrics (laughs) that we see. Nothing in Mordor. Nothing in Mordor. Nothing nothing in Mordor. I would, I would kill to have John Noble's Denethor robe. That luxurious yeah, black like, fur robe. 
I think man. about like everyone's beautiful before he gets oil on it. <laughs> and all the like the hobbits have all sorts of like great wools, various textures. It, like and everything velvet like, and embroidery. Yeah, from and, a distance yeah. it looks simple, and then the closer the camera gets, the more detailed that you see there is. Right. Like is just sewn in paisley patterns on velvet that yeah. aren't actually a different color. Yeah, they're just barely right. there. Stuff like that is, yeah. why did you put in the effort? We can never even see it on the screen. Oh, right, right. Like the perfect, oh, just the, like the example that comes to mind of this is like they, um, for Theoden's, I'm jumping back a movie, but like the inside of Theoden's armor. Like they like made the inside of Theoden's armor, which is not a thing that anyone ever sees, like so incredible mm-hmm. that the Theoden's actor, Bernard Hill, Bernard Hill Actually, he was like, this makes me feel like a king. I feel like a king because of, like, how detailed this armor is. Nice. Yeah, it is yeah. my second favorite piece of armor in the movie because Aemir is standing right there. <laughs> <laughs> and Aemir's armor is beautiful. Did did these movies mm-hmm. win an Oscar for costuming? Because uh, yes. I, I should hope yeah. so. <laughs> I think Two Towers and Return of the King both won costuming once. Okay, good. I think Two Towers was costuming and sound. Mm-hmm. Mm. That makes sense. We've been talking about the sound design in Two Towers, actually. We have so. been talking about the sound design in Two Towers. Yeah, I think <sighs> Two Towers won. It's either two or four. I can't remember. I but it it's two. not any actors. Yeah, it was all the um, quote-unquote technical. It's all technical stuff. Oscars yeah. for Two Towers. Yeah. And, then and then Return, Return of the King Return won 11. That won like 11, yeah. Yeah. Gosh. We should, we, you know what? We should have opened every week like Academy right. Award winning movie, Return of the King. Yes. <laughs> Best picture winner, yeah. Return of the King. Is, is that still a record for number of Academy Awards? But the distinction I think that Return of the King still holds is that it's the most nominated for that were swept. Every category it was nominated for at those Oscars, it won, and it won 11. What about the movie that oh came God. out last year, mm. the the Korean horror movie? I don't think it was 11. Paris? Parasite? Parasite? Yeah. Because it got a lot, right? I think it got like four or five. Did it? Oh, I thought it got way more. I don't think it I got that. I think the that. big thing I... about that was, it, was, it, was a, it, it won in the like kind of um, more like the like main stage genre, or like categories of award than it was expected to win yeah yeah right rather than just um yeah i think um, it was nominated for six and won four of i hesitate to ask what what is the record holder i don't remember but i'm pretty sure it's 13 this is i'm picturing it being like a harry potter movie or something oh good no no no. god it's definitely not okay Um, three films have won 11 Academy Awards. Oh, Ben-Hur. Yeah, Ben-Hur, Titanic, and Return of the King. Wow. Oh, Ben-Hur, another mind. very horse-heavy movie. Yes, very. <laughs> yeah, largest sweep winning awards in every nominated category is Return of the King. Yes. So, do okay, you, so... I don't know everyone's ages, but do you remember seeing these movies, like, as they came out? I saw them all in theaters. I wasn't allowed to because uh, my dad uh, was a book purist. So he was like, you need to read the books first. Um, and yeah. I was like super into Orlando Bloom at the time because I was like a 13-year-old girl. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, so he plays an elf? Okay, I will read all of these right. and then I can watch them all. <laughs> no, I was I was in eighth grade when I when I saw Fellowship. Hmm. Yeah. What about what about you guys? Yeah, very, I, very similar timeline to me. I don't remember um about Fellowship. My dad had been reading the books to me out loud. Um and I think um I don't know. I don't remember if I saw fellowship in theaters or afterward, but I know that by the time two towers came out, I was like, I need to see this in the theater. And we were halfway through the two towers book. And so I finished reading it on my own in a night so that I could see the movie the next day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I missed when I could do that. Just yeah. read a book that fast. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. I remember I pulled, I pulled a, like, a, a, I strained a muscle in my neck as a child seeing Two Towers in theaters because it was so frightening that I kept, like, whipping my head away from the screen to, like, during battle scenes <laughs> because it was scary. <laughs> I think uh, we're actually probably going to go more into detail about um, your guys' backgrounds with these because we like to ask our first-time guests um, their background with the books and the movies and stuff. But I think this is today's episode. There is only one other thing I wanted to mention note-wise for this. Oh, you're like, I only have five notes. And then you're like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, but we didn't do one of them. One of them I didn't (laughs) do. Oh, 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 my apologies. Um, (laughs) I like the specific callback shot to concerning hobbits here in this minute. Where the camera comes around, oh, the, comes corner, around the corner and Frodo yeah, is yeah. sitting in the same chair Bilbo is sitting in during Concerning Hobbits God, stop giving at me a very feels. similar angle. Stop giving me feels. Yeah. So it's bookended, but only for the extended edition because we don't get that right, in the theatrical. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the theatrical yeah. movies, I do not know her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I had only seen the theatrical like after we started this podcast. So I was like, I guess we should watch these to like yeah. compare. So but... I, found, I found the used DVD yeah. at a local, <laughs> like at a local like, video game and DVD place. Just I know like, a local like gaming shop. two people who prefer the theatrical. Yeah. But like they're anomalies. They is an outlier and shouldn't have counted. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I remember very vividly in high school, like watching because they used to just like play the theatrical releases like back to back on TNT like mm. I don't know every couple of weeks and watch Oh, they still do. They're on all the time. This is an incomplete experience like as a 15-year-old or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thank you guys for joining us today. Um Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, if you want to uh go ahead and like pimp your podcast or where people can find you um and listen to you or online. Yeah, um, you can uh, find our podcast on Twitter at Shadow Facts Pod, and that's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information. F A C T S. Nice. Uh, yeah, and um, and on uh, Shadow Facts Pod dot Podbean dot com. Anywhere podcasts are sold. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> and we are from the website duelinggenre.com as always um check us out there uh and if you haven't um checked out our patreon yet you can go to duelinggenre.com slash support uh we will be posting our inevitable hobbit coverage not minute by minute because i love myself um And much, much more than I love those movies. <laughs> Exclusively <laughs> on our Patreon. So if you are at all interested in that nonsense, uh, check that out. That will be forthcoming. We will 
probably be back. I'm not sure. I don't want to make promises, but next year at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So if you're interested in that, uh, check that out. There's also like 400 other episodes of all the other Dueling Genre podcasts uh, on the Patreon. So if you are at all interested in that, it's worth your money and your time. And thank you very much for supporting us. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about this week. And I hope everyone has a great Monday. Bye. Bye. Bruh.